Welcome to this week's podcast from the Eucliping Church. We hope you enjoy this message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. It's great that you are here. Wow. I heard he called you Larry. That's your name? Larry, come tell us about today. Larry got prayed for last night. His whole color has changed. And even they were all saying it. And he wasn't feeling good last night. I don't know what else was going on. God's really... Is intervening in my body and in my life. The past seven months is the hardest road I've ever, I've ever walked, ever experienced. Mentally, physically, financially. Last night, God broke a heavy chain. A heavy chain that was around me. All I did was fall upon my face last night before him. And I said, God, I give all this to you. None of the past seven months was mine. It didn't belong to me. I thank him. My doctors wanted to do a procedure that God stopped five times in the hospital. Five days in a row, doctors tried to put a pacemaker in me, and each day it was canceled. And I said, God, what? Do I need it? Do, I want, do you want me to have it? It never happened. I left the hospital. Last night, God healed me. My breathing, my train of thought, my anxiety. Today, it just wasn't there. I didn't have it. Everywhere I've gone today, people that know me, Larry, you've got a you've got a, a glow in your face. You've got a different look. What have you done? And I said, last night I went and I fell on my face before God, and I released, I released the chains and the heaviness and the weights. And I want to thank you, Lord. I thank you, God. Amen. Woo. <laughs> he came in tonight. Of course, when I went down, he was just praying, bawling right here, just crying. The Lord sent me right to him first. And I knew something was happening. I knew it. I didn't know what all. I just said, I think even a lot of things I preached, God was preaching right at you. Blah, 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 blah. Just speaking. And when he came in, to, and he was white. And I kept saying, bring his color back, give the evidence, let him feel good, give him his strength back, just begin to, 
And then when I walked in and saw, I said, look at you. Look, and, and even all the girls there on the row was like, Larry, you're looking good. <laughs> and his color now. <laughs> he had his color back. <laughs> Got to watch sometimes what you say in church, what people think. Amen. So God is good and he's still on the throne. Come on up right there with your arm. You come tell them what God did with your... It's, it's, yeah, come on. This isn't our stories. These are God's stories. God did it. Amen. I was not able to pick my right arm up. I think I had pulled something when I was getting out of the truck. So now I'm able to just lift it, and it doesn't hurt at all. It all hurts. It's all gone. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me. It was just in time. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Hallelujah. I'll give you a break. I know. That's awesome, though. It, it'll just keep you going. Keep that music going, won't it? Whew. Who else has been healed during these meetings? Come on, Dina. Hey, man, I love to hear what God's doing. About 35 years ago, I broke my ankle and leg in three places, and I haven't walked the same since then. And then um, the last couple years with Bob and Alzheimer's, um, I spent a whole lot of time just sitting with him, not exercising. <laughs> so the walking had gotten really bad. Then I tore a cartilage in my leg. And so the pain was really bad, and the walking was getting scary. At the pain is gone. <laughs> it's completely gone. The walking is 100% better. And I believe in God's going to finish the work that he began. And so praise God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Woo. You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you, cause you are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else. There is no one else like you. Oh, sing it again. You are great. You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you for you are great you do miracles so great there is no one else like you there is no one else tell him again there is no again there is no one 
like you. We were in Dunn, North Carolina, and they had put a tent up there. Come to find out later that where this tent set had been a revival, I believe, like 100 years previous, just right there in that vicinity. A lot of times you may be sitting on a well of revival and don't even realize it. Your home may be within a five-mile radius of a well of revival where God had such a move of God. The church needs to begin to restir these wells of revival, pull the dirt off that the Philistines have put on, and let the water run through again. There's healing in the water. There's deliverance in the water. There's joy in the water. There's freedom in the water. There's salvation in the water. We need to get in. Amen. I said we need to get in, not just a little toe in, not just a big toe in. I mean, I want to get waiter boots on and be underwater. The only reason I got to put waiter boots on because they say fat floats. So that way I want to stay under. Come on. Any way a devil can keep us up to keep from getting it all, he will do it. I'll never forget this was my night to preach and they were pulled a car up beside the tent there and they were helping a lady to get out of the car and it seemed like it, at first I didn't know what they were doing. I, I didn't realize there was somebody that's helping to get. I thought, why is that car there blocking everything? It's right here close to the front and they're just... There, keep on, keep on. Ten minutes went by, they're still there, and I'm thinking, what in the world? Nothing's hardly moving, no activity. And then finally, all of a sudden, I see this wheelchair come wheeling around. Huge wheelchair. Must have been special made. The woman was over 400 and something pounds. Might have even been over 500 pounds. I really don't know for sure, but she was huge. And I was like, they'd wheeled her on into the tent meeting they wheeled her up to the front song service about over they turned the mic over to me and I could hear this lady <laughs> I'm thinking oh my goodness she's gonna die she can't catch her breath she's gurgling oh I thought not on my watch I, I'm trying to sing I'm trying to just like this starting the service and here's this woman down there nobody's hearing what I'm saying because all they can hear is <laughs> And they're like, everybody's looking over at her. So I jumped down off the platform. I went over there and I started laying hands on her. I said, God, I don't know what's going on. It could be her weight. It could be some sickness, disease. Something's going on that she can't breathe. And, and I don't want her to die. Somehow, some way, she made it to this tent revival tonight. She heard the healers in the house. It's not us. I couldn't heal a headache on a fly. Neither could my husband. We can't fix you, we can't heal you, but we can bring you to the one who can. His name is Dr. Jesus. And so I began to lay hands and began to pray for her. I even began to pray, God, I want instantaneous weight loss. She's got too much around her. She can't breathe. God, she needs that. God, I want her lungs to be healed. I want her heart because I could see that she had so much against that she could even have a heart attack if she wasn't already having one. I didn't know what all was going on. But I just began to pray. And I just began to intercede with God. And probably 10 minutes, 15 minutes later, I could tell she's okay. So I got back up and preached the service. Got people up at the end praying for them. Well, here's this lady. She finally comes wheeling over to the pastor. And she tells the pastor, look at here. Pulls her pants out. Said, I already lost weight. 
I lost a bunch. I don't know. These pants were tight on me. And look how loose. He said, okay, TMI, too much information. He said, I could see all the way down her leg. <laughs> He's like, woo, I don't need to see all of this. But God did something that night with that woman. That was a Saturday night. On Sunday morning, they had church in their regular church, and we would go back to the tent on Sunday night. And that Sunday morning, she ended up coming to church. I think I understand she drove herself. Now, I found out later that she was so big, she could not even turn over in her own bed. They had contractions to be able to lift her, all kinds of machines and contractions, and even some kind of machine contraction to will to even try to get her in the car. That's why it took them forever to get her out of the car because she was not able to move. She was not able to turn, and she was not able to walk. She was that big. But this woman sitting on the front row, and she went to the pastor again and said, I've already lost 180 pounds in a night. And she's trying to show him again. He said, don't show me your legs again. I don't want to see them. <laughs> She said, I have decided I was able to roll over in my bed last night. I was able to get up out of bed, so I decided I'm going to drive myself to church. And, of course, she had a little boy that she had, and he was real overweight, too. And she said, we're going to start eating right, and we're going to do right. They said that, she said, and so I did not park right in the front of the church. I parked further away so I could walk all the way here because I never have been able to walk because I've been so big. And this 180 pounds, I was able to walk. And she said, I'm going to do more of it. I hear from the pastor two weeks or a month later, she had already lost some more. <laughs> and the little boy, too. God was just moving on them. She was supernaturally losing, and the boy was losing normal. The doctors thought something was wrong because she lost so much so fast. They're trying to examine her in all kinds of ways. She says, no, it's normal, and I'm healthy. And they said, we cannot believe that your blood works good. Everything looks good. It doesn't look bad, but we still need to keep checking. Something's not right for somebody to lose 180 pounds in a week. Which she said, no, I told you it's a day. He said, whatever, it's only been a week since we've seen you. A hundred. Come on. God began to heal that woman, began to change her life. It's not Joanna Herndon. It's not Randy Herndon. It's Dr. Jesus. Because you are great. Yes, you are, Lord. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. For you are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you there is no one else <laughs> there is no one else like you we'd been in this tent meeting for quite a while and and even that pastor had the gift of healing as well, and his church was used to having healings and prophecies and miracles, just like this church is. It, it, it's not just about having Joanne and Randy Herndon that miracles happen. 
this church believes in miracles, and this church itself right here, the Equipping Center, has miracles, has a prophetic word, has a move of God and a stirring of God. The waters are being stirred. In John 5, 1 through 9, it said that people were waiting for the stirring of the waters so that when the first one got in, they got healed. Well, Jesus died, rose again, sitting at the right hand of the Father and made the waters available for all of us to get in. And when we get in, we get healed. Right, Larry? Woo! Thank you, Lord. I said we get healed. So we were there this one night. And they were praying. The pastor there had decided that he wanted his wife to. She's always playing the keyboard. She's always in the worship and keeping things moving with the flow of the Spirit. He said, but she don't get up and help pray for people. And I said, well, you either got a praise and worship leader or you got a pastor. He said, well, I want her to do both. And I said, then next you're going to want her to clean the church. And he said, she can do that. She's good at that, too. And she keeps the books and he said, but I want her that. And so we decided that night Randy and, and Pastor Allen would go this way and me and Pastor Reba would go this way and pray for people. And so we're at the ends coming toward the middle. And here I could hear Randy and Pastor Allen praying for this lady. And Randy says to this lady, do you believe God can heal your eyes? And she said, no. He said, well, then what you doing up here? She said, I don't know. He said, you don't believe? She said, no. He said, well, I ain't going to pray for you if you don't believe. And Pastor Allen said, that's right, let's go, Randy. I'm not praying for anybody don't believe. And I heard that one, no, 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 wait. They said, why? She said she don't believe. We'd just be wasting our time. See, unbelief, you can lose a lot in unbelief. God, it's displeasing to God. But something in me stirred because I knew God was up to something. And I said she had to believe something or she wouldn't have showed up at this tent meeting. She had to believe something or she wouldn't come up here and got in this prayer line. Fine. Randy walked back over. Fine. We'll pray for her. And so uh, I said, well, we need to pray for her. And I'm trying. I said, honey, you, 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 you had to believe something. Do you believe you believe something? She said, I don't know. I mean, she was by confused. She's mad at them. By now, she wasn't hardly talking. <laughs> you know. And I said, it's okay. Calm down. It's going to be all right. We're going to pray for you. Whatever. I mean, she had that kind of attitude, finally. And so we're praying for her. I'm just saying, Lord, and just kind of rubbing on her back and loving on her because I know she's a little upset now. And I'm saying, God, you are the Lord, the healer. We don't earn healing. We can't figure out how and why. You know, healing you cannot explain to people. Miracles you cannot explain to people. It's like trying to explain infinity, infinity trying to explain eternity. All you can do is accept it. And so that's what we do, right? And so finally it said, okay, so we start praying. And, and about that time, Randy and Pastor John said, look at me. Now, she, he's like six what? Well, no, he was 6'8". He was 6'8", eight, very tall man. She was, she was short like me, same size. And he's real tall, and he squats there. He said, I said, look at me. She's trying not to, but, you know, she, there was such a command in his voice because Randy had already just started putting his thumbs on praying for those eyes. And then the pastor, I, I said, look at me now. And finally she looked up. He said, you're seeing, you're seeing, you're seeing, you're seeing, you're seeing in the name of Jesus. And I said, yes, Lord, let it be, let it be. And about that time she goes, 
I see you. Now, she had scratches come to find out because I asked her what was wrong with her eyes, and she said, I have these before we were these scratches. And so when I look at you, I see 12 of you. And she said, everything I see is, is everywhere. It's so scattered. It's like a, a shattered windshield. Everything is all messed up. And so when I look, there's too much of one thing. And I don't know which one's the real one. And so as he's saying, look at me, look at me, everything began to come into focus. Everything began to come into singleness. And she looked at me and she started crying big old tears. She said, I can see you. I can see you. And she grabbed me and she hugged me and she just started crying and crying and crying. And I see one of you, which I'm glad. <laughs> and she's crying. They said, yeah, we knew. And I said, well, if y'all had been nicer to her, she'd have hugged y'all. <laughs> but he's great. Jesus does miracles so great. You see, the stories that we tell are not our stories. Randy was telling a story at Becky Crumb's church, and many of you heard the story of the lady with the breast cancer that went from her left breast into her right breast, or is it vice versa? And it came out midair. It didn't leave a hole or a scar. And he had told her, I see you have cancer, and I see this cancer is going to move from your right breast into your left breast. It's going to come out midair, and then it's going to hover for a little bit, and poof, it's going to disappear. And she kept telling the doctors this. I'm giving you the short of the story coming to a point. And the doctors said, you need to get the cancer cut out. Ha, ha, ha. Went on and on and on. Family's hot. You need to get. Finally, they, she succumbed and said, okay. And so they went in. He went to, back to check his machines. He had already marked her. And he come back out after being back there a long time. He said, get dressed. She said, what's wrong? He said, I need to talk to you in my office. Get dressed. She said, well, what happened? He said, just get dressed and meet me. It was one of those day surgery things. So she got dressed and went in his office. He said, tell me what that man told you. So she told him again. He had already been making fun of what he had told her, what he saw. So tell me again what that man told her again. Tell me again. She told. She said, why do you keep asking me this? He said, because while I was back there looking in that machine, that cancer moved from your right breast into your left breast, come out midair, hovered. I reached for it. It looked so real it disappeared. He said, now I have you marked, but I can't find it, so I can't do the surgery. It's gone. I tried and tried. I was back there trying to find it. He said, now, what he told you happened, but I just want to make sure we're going to run some more tests. You know how they are. But this doctor was Muslim, and he ended up finding out that she had no cancer, that God had healed it. And so Randy's telling this story. Now, I'm saying this because he's telling the whole story. Some of you have heard the whole story. I gave you the short of it. And he's up at the pulpit like here, and I'm beside him because we were sharing, and, I, and, and he began to. So I was re ready to get my notes lined up and thinking, yeah, I've heard this. I've heard this. Yeah, I've heard this. Yeah, and he's going to tell this probably and this and that. And I felt this tap on my shoulder, and I heard God say, so my stories get old to you? I said, what? He said, do my stories get old to you? He said, what do you mean, Lord? He said, that's not Randy's story. That's my story. And just because you've heard him tell it a lot, he said, he's telling my story. He said, let me ask you something. 
does the crossing of the Red Sea story get old to you? I said, no, sir. He said, does the woman with the issue of blood story get old to you? I said, oh, no, sir. What about the blind man on the road to Jericho? And I said, no, sir. He said, what about the story of the woman bent over for 18 long? And I mean, he just went through, and I, by then I'm just, oh, no, sir. No, sir. No, sir, they don't get old. He said, that's my story. And my stories never get old. You see, some people, they take lightly God's stories because they've heard it before. Some of you don't even tell your story anymore because you figured people got tired of hearing it and tired of, well, we've heard it. Thank you. We've heard it. Well, I don't care if you've heard it or not. I'm going to tell you again what my God did, what my God's doing, and I'm going to tell it till it wears you out because every time I tell it, I get excited. Every time I talk about what Jesus did for me, I still get tears in my eyes. Every time I talk about the day he brought me back and changed my life and how he did things for me and Randy and when I get choked up I know it by heart and many's heard it but I tell it again. God said your salvation, your deliverance, your healing, your freedom, your joy, your, your changes, everything that's being done, your finances, those are my stories. And my stories do not get old. I was looking at the scripture. Uh, let me go right here it is. Judges 6.13. And Gideon said unto him, And, O oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles? Now this is where the Midianites had come like grasshoppers, kept stripping the land, kept taking every way from them. This was what, like the government takeover, you could say. They took all their camels. They took all their donkeys. They took all their food. They took all of their stuff. And took it away from them. Everything they worked for. And they didn't do it once. They did this several times. The only way that Gideon, he was hiding in the press mill, trying to protect what little he had, saying, Hey, I've been hearing about the miracles 200 years ago, 250 years ago, with the plagues and how that you had a fire by night, a cloud by day, and fresh manna, and miracles everywhere. Why did you leave us, God? Why do we not see miracles today? Why isn't Jack Coe, A.A., Allen, William, Branham, Catherine, Kuhlman, and them had those miracles? And we don't see these miracles today. Why have you left us? God said, I didn't leave you. Y'all left me. But since you're asking, and since you're wanting to know, why don't you get up? It's time to take over what the Midianites have been stealing. It's time to take territory back. It's time to stand up and be the church I've called you to be. Quit your murmuring, complaining. You'll get stuck in the wilderness. And get up, arise, and shine, for the light has come. I don't know what to do. Tell your story. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray for somebody. Tell your story. Every one of you have stories and miracles. Right here, she's got several. 
And she's been in a hell of a mess from a childhood up. So many things have happened. But she can tell you story after story, and God's still working on her. Right? And with her kids, too. So even though you got backache, neckache, oh, my toes hurt, my life is miserable, you still have miracles before you ever got in that shape. You still have things. You're still breathing right now. It's a miracle. You're here right now. It's a miracle. Amen. You need to realize and start being thankful to God and saying, you know what, God, I love your story. See, I'll never forget one time I was in children's church. This is come back to the Lord. I used to teach a lot and do kids' crusades. And so they said, why don't you teach the children in children's church? I said, okay. Got back there in children's church and I love to tell stories, and I love to get, you know, I like, okay, and Goliath, he's real big, and he's, who wants to fight me? And all the, I don't know, we don't know. I will fight one of you, and I'm trying, and this kid, one kid sitting, we already know that story, and he starts telling it. I said, yeah, but you haven't heard it my way. Let me, I know it's this, 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 and this. So I thought, okay, it has been a while since I've been around these kids. I'll try again. So I decided to tell him about knowing the ark. I thought, well, you know, all these animals stink and they're smelly. It's like going to the zoo and you think, whoo, let me have something, some perfume. These monkeys stink and yet the kids just like, ha, 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 ha. Want their pictures around all these animals. And you're like, okay, there sure is a smell here. I'm thinking, hats must have been that way in that ark. All those animals closed up in there stinking. And, and I'm starting to, and this kid goes again. Yeah, we know. It rained 40 days, 40 nights, and both this and did that. I said, it's my turn to tell the story. You're not the teacher. I am. Well, I know the story. We know. And, I mean, I got to a fourth story to try to tell, crossing the Red Sea and all of that, and he starts telling it, too. He just, little Mr. Know-it-all. <laughs> I'm going to smack him, and all the other kids was taking his side of grin. Well, we've already heard these. I said, really? Well, I have a story for you you hadn't heard. Now, this wasn't wise as a woman, and I probably wasn't allowed to teach children's church for a while after this. <laughs> they couldn't believe I would tell these children this, but I was pretty flustered, and I was just new back to the Lord. <laughs> they shouldn't have put me back there so soon. Bible says don't lay hands on any man suddenly. That means don't put them up too quickly. Amen. And so I said, I got one for you in Kings. A woman got hungry. They were in a famine. And so they said, let's boil your son and eat him. <laughs> and the next day, when we got hungry again, they said, okay, we ate my son. Now let's boil your son and eat your son. And she's out there crying, oh, God, oh, King, help, help. He said, what's wrong with you? He said, we ate the other woman's son. Now she wants to eat my son. All the kids are like. <laughs> and I said, this famine's nothing compared to the famine in the last days we're coming to in these things. And I said, so the king went and he stripped himself in ashes and sackcloth and cried out to God because the famine was so bad. And God began to move. And I said, 
And I said, but you know, you've got to know. And I was trying to tell him some of these things. And I may have even said something. It's a good thing your parents are Christians so that they won't eat you. And one little voice hollers, mine's not. Would you pray mine don't eat me? <laughs> I said, oh, I'm so sorry. It'll be okay. Now I'm trying to really take care of the mess I've destroyed. Kids are coming out of church and the parents, hi, sweetheart, you know. I probably even said they kind of like check their arms to see how good they might taste or look. And so parents are grabbing their, don't touch me. They're like, what did you tell these kids? Well, it happened to be the pastor's son who knew it all. So I said, well, next time maybe you tell your child to behave, then I won't tell stories like that. <laughs> Amen. But there are stories, and God wants his stories out there. You're a walking miracle. Oh, no, I'm not. I got all this wrong with me. <laughs> You're still a walking miracle. My brother, John Coe, who is in Red Oak, Texas, they had given him six months to live with cancer. He had from his heart to here, to down to his kidney. He has three the size of an orange on his kidney. He has three the size of an orange on his liver. And they said any of them could rupture and bleed at any time, and he would bleed to death. At best, he would have six months, possibly three. That's three years ago. He still has the cancer, but he's still alive. And when the church says, we want to see a miracle, I said, you're seeing one every Sunday. My brother gets up and preaches to you with cancer in his body that said he wouldn't live, and he's still alive. Yes, he sometimes is in pain. Yes, he has problems, but he still gets up and preaches, and he still gets out there and works on the fences and feeds the horses. He said, I don't want quantity of life. I want quality of life. And because of prayers and people interceding for him, I'm still believing that cancer is going to die at the root, and he will live and not die and declare the glories of God. Come on, church. We got to get a hold of what a miracle really is. We got to get a hold of what God, because you know what? Last week it was your back. It could be your head this week. But I'm here to tell you many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. You say, well, it hadn't happened yet. Well, it ain't over yet either. You're not six feet under, you're still here. And as long as you're breathing, you're still a miracle. And there's also called Resurrection Live. You could be raised from the dead as well. So as I was sitting there tonight, I turned to my husband and I said, I got to run. God's changing the message. He said, tell the stories. We've been in Mark 6. We've been talking about Mark 6. But he said, no, tell the stories. And so my husband's going to come up here and he's going to share a couple of them with you. Then I'm going to tell some more. Because I want you to know how great my God is. Because some of you need to realize that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Many times we think we can work it up. I've done that. I was down there. They, was, they said, sister, we're bringing a blind man tonight. You're going to pray for him. God's going to open his eyes. I said, thank you, pastor. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I hung up the phone. I said, oh, God, they're bringing a blind man. 
They want me to pray for him, God. He's gonna, they said he's got his eyes open. They're looking to me open. I can't open his eyes. And God said, no, you can't. I preached that night. Down this side, they're bringing the blind man. I said, God, here comes the blind man. He said, yes, it is. I walk down the middle, start praying for people, and I start going this way, and the blind man's over there. And I said, God, the blind man's over there, and I'm praying this way. God said, what you doing? He keep telling me, the blind man's over there. What you doing? I said, I know he is. He's over there. He said, well, what are you doing? I said, I'm working it up. <laughs> he said, working what up? He said, when you get it worked up, will you let me know? <laughs> I said, what? He said, when you get it worked up, let me know. What are you work? See, come on. We think we have something to do with this. Yeah. It is God. Amen. And he is the Lord that healeth thee. I used to have 22 reasons why people didn't get healed. Used to have all the little formulas and plans. There is no formula in healing. And when it got down to uh, 12 notes left because it went from 22, he, he healed this one for that and this one, that's out of my notes, and this one out of my notes, and this. And I said, God, what are you doing with my notes? He said, throw them away. You're keeping people from me. He said, I am the Lord that healeth, and I'm God, and I do what I want. Come on, honey. I'm sorry. The preach is here. Oh, Lord, help us. We were in uh, Richmond, Virginia, and uh, there was a lady at the end of the service, and uh, she had, uh, we were, in fact, we were sitting down just like here in the front row, and she came over there, and, and, uh, uh, were just real, uh, real uh, sweet lady. She was uh, in her mid seventy, somewhere around in there, and uh, she said, "She said, Randy, would you please pray for me?" And I was sure. And so I was about to put my hand on her and pray for her, and and the Lord showed me. He said, "Tell her this." I uh, see. She started out by saying, uh, "I've got uh, something wrong with my throat," and and, and we're, I'm supposed to go to the doctor and we're supposed to go through exploratory surgery because nobody knows what's wrong, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, so I, when I started to put my hand up, I said, oh, I see it. I see it. And, and, and remember, when I see it, I, I don't know, I, I don't know anatomy. I have to tell, tell what I see in our terms so we can all understand, right? So what I saw in her throat looked like a garden hose that was twisted. Well, you know, when you twist a garden hose, there's not a lot of water coming out. Well, that's why, that's why she was with air. Amen? So I started praying for it, and immediately I saw it start un, just untwisting. And, I, and then finally it was clear, and I said, all right, take a deep breath. And she just, I said, no, no. That's what she'd been used to for a long time. I said, no, take a deep breath. She did it again. Finally, I just jumped up and said, take a deep breath, and scared her. She goes, oh, my God, I can breathe. <laughs> you know, freaked her out, you know. Now, it was really neat because there was just about, oh, about 20 people or maybe less still there. And the pastor came over to me, and he said, Randy, I sure appreciate your uh, praying. That's my mom. And I go, yeah. And he'd been praying for her, and still nothing happened. Come on. 
I mean, we run across that kind of, you know, I, I can go pray for somebody and nothing happens. She can walk over and, Lord, heal them, and they get healed just like that. Why? Yeah, why? We don't know. We're not the healer. That's his business. Our job is to go lay hands and pray. Amen. Okay. We were in uh, Natticoke, Pennsylvania. We were in a, a prayer line, and we were walking to this lady at the far end. And Joanna was walking to her, so I was behind her like this. And all of a sudden, I hear the Lord say, stop. And I, I stopped, and I turned around. There's this lady standing there. And I looked at her, and I said, what's wrong with your shoulders? She said, how'd you know that? I said, I just listened to the Holy Spirit, hon. She said, well, now, now he just told me to stop, pray for this lady. He didn't tell me anything then, okay? So I stopped. She said, I have no cartilage in my shoulders, in my rotator cuffs. Okay, none, zero. So I start praying. I said, uh, you know, you mind if I put my hand on your shoulders? No. I prayed a, a, not a real long prayer. Not one of those flowery, oh, Lord, thank thou, thee, blah, 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 you know. I, I don't usually do that anyway, so it doesn't make any difference. So I, I, it was just real short, prayed for. I said, now, throw those arms up and see how they feel. And she threw them up. She said, oh, my, <laughs> yes, this is great. And then all of a sudden, she starts laughing hysterically. And I mean, I mean hysterically. I said, uh, won't you let me in on a joke? And she goes, oh, this is good. She said, I'm a nurse. And I have to turn people over during the day many, many times and lift and whatnot, right? Everybody in the, in the hospital knew she didn't have cartilage in her shoulder. Now she goes back and tells them, guess what happened? They all, they all had to know something divine happened. That's right. They had to that's right. because they knew about her. And that's why she was laughing because she couldn't wait to get back to work. <laughs> Show them. Amen? Okay, you ready for another one? Might as well because I'm going to tell it anyway. <laughs> we have a very good friend in Tennessee. His name is David Woodrow. I think he's gone to changed his address. That's what we like to say. He just changed his address. We were at a we were at a meeting, and I knew he was there, and I knew he looked he didn't look right. And I walked up and said, "David, what's wrong?" He said, "I've got walking pneumonia." And he said, "Would you please pray for me?" I said, "Sure." There's a bunch of people there, and so I just walked up and, and and just laid my hand on his chest, and all of a sudden, here again, I see. Uh, now this one was I've never seen this yet I think I've only seen it once or twice uh, around his lungs looked like um, I I don't just rings like this starting at the bottom you know how your lung is high to, is wide at the, at the top and, and narrow at the bottom and it started at the bottom and worked its way up it just kept doing it just kept just like like a, a neon or something like that, going up and up and down on his lungs. And I stepped back and I said, how's it feel, David? He goes, oh, man, that feels great, you know. And this is a pastor. He'd been pastoring for I don't know how many years. Uh, led me to the uh, Holy Spirit himself one time in our house, in the den. You don't always have to be in the church. Come on. Amen. Anyway. 
he started walking around. He said, I can't believe this. I just can't believe it because it hadn't happened to him. You see what I'm saying? It's sometimes hard for us to, ex okay, never mind. Yes, thank you. It, it is, but you have to. It's still divine healing, right. no matter who it is. Amen. Amen. And he was working in his garden the next day. And they said the next day they called and said, tell Randy, tell Joanna, tell them I'm working in my garden and I'm doing good. There is no, he had double pneumonia and it was bad. And the next day he had, that night he already was. And the next day he was in the garden working and he showed up at church the next night. Said, I had to come tell you again and testify. Looky here. We were in Branson, Missouri, and we weren't there for the shows. Sorry, we were there. <laughs> yeah, we were there in a, in a theater. You know, uh, 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 you know how the theater seats go down like this and whatnot, and there were some big-name people there, and they all said, uh, we want uh, uh, such and such to be over here. We want such and such to be here, and we want Randy and Joanna to be over here which was sort of in the middle, way up in the nosebleed seats. We're rookies. We didn't know. <laughs> so we get them all up there, and there's about, what, 10 or 12, uh, you know, and all of a sudden I hear as plain as I could hear it, I'm going to heal every one in your line. And I knew it was the Lord. I leaned over and told Joanna, he just told me he's going to heal every one of them. Then we sat and watched him heal every one of them, one right after the other. And they were all just up there screaming and hollering and carrying on, and they're all wondering, what's going on? Yeah, people started leaving their line, coming into our line. <laughs> I wonder why, you know. While we were there, there was one woman, she was in her 80s, like 85, 86, and she was on a little walker. In fact, he even told her, honey, it's going to be a minute praying for people. Just sit there in that chair. She said, okay. She could barely move. So she kind of took her little walker and eased over there and sat down. And he began to pray for her, and we began to lay hands, declare, put, rubbing up and down her back. And I was just praying for her legs because they were so weak and just just believe in God for healing because we had already had the good news. I'm healing everybody in this line. But we didn't just say, okay, you're all healed. No, we still loved on them and prayed for them and did what God wanted. And he, let me tell you something. I knew God got a hold of that woman and healed her because I had a hard time climbing those steps. Those theater steps are those wide, and, and you got to take a step and then, and then step and then take another step. and then step. I mean, they're just kind of wide. This woman's running up and down the steps. She is not just walking. She's thrown that walker to the side. She's running up and down these steps. And during the whole conference that, that Five days we were there. Every time I saw that woman, she was outrunning every one of us. So don't tell me God can't even renew your youth and heal you and restore you. He said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord your healer. Some people think, well, now they accept that, you know, you're just getting old. That's how it is. No. Joshua said, I feel as young today. I mean, Caleb. As I did 40 years ago, I'm going to take this mountain. Amen. 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 
Cause you are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. Cause you are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else. Tell him again. There is no one else like you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just give him some praise right quick. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. We were in Anthony, Kansas, and I'll tell you the, 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 the way they told us that, how to get there. You say you get on 35, you go through Oklahoma, and as soon as you cross over the border, hang a left and go 10 miles, and, there, and that's exactly where this place was. <laughs> that's Kansas for you, okay? So we were in there one night. There was a young man with, that, that, uh, that mom had brought him, and he was totally deaf. And it had been since, I think he had, that's right, his girlfriend brought him. Uh, uh, and he, he, uh, he was born, I think he was born deaf. And we kept praying for him, kept praying for him. And finally, we started hearing him say things so he could read lips real well, like most of them can. Uh, and so I, I marched him over there and made him stand looking at the wall. I came back over about right here, and I started saying things. I started saying them loud, and then I started saying them this way, and then I started saying this way and he's repeating every word and we're all freaking out this is so cool people that know him knew him was freaked out well it and the mother was mad she called the church the next day and wanted to know where we were because she's getting an attorney gonna sue us i said well i don't know why she said you heal my son of deaf ears and i said we don't heal nobody come on I said, why are you mad? He's 21 years old. He's a grown person. There's some people, they don't want a healing because they need that money. Don't look at nobody. Had one man, he came and got in the prayer line. We was asking people for prayer. There's this man that needed healing, or he needed healing, but he didn't come to find out after he got healed, he didn't want to be healed. He was mad. I said, why did you get in the healing line? Well, I just wanted the pain to stop. I didn't want to be healed. I said, why? He said, because I'm fixing to get $86,000, and now I won't. I said, I'm going to tell you, $86,000 won't last you. You could make that in a year with God healing you. Church, we need to wake up to the fact of things. $86,000 goes fast. Amen. It looks good for a moment in your hand. You're like, oh, I could do a lot with that. Yeah, by the next year, you'll be going, where's some of that money I had? We were in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, there was a guy in the service. Uh, we, had a, we had a service where Joanna said, we want to pray for feet, only feet. What, you got problems with your feet. Come on up here and sit on the front row. And then she made them take their shoes and socks off. I wish she hadn't done that. <laughs> but she did. And this one guy was down at the far end. I'll never forget. Like if we're standing here at the platform, he was like over here, okay? And so 
he went over there, and I said, what is wrong with your foot? And he said, well, uh, they tell me it's gangrene. And, and listen, it, it, was, it, was, it was so gross, it was unbelievable. I mean, from it's like his ankle down, you know. And he said, they're going to take my foot off in the next few days. I'm supposed to go to the hospital. So I said, no, we're going to pray for it. Well, we prayed for it. We didn't see anything happen immediately. Did you hear me? Yes. We didn't see anything happen immediately. Does that mean he's not going to get healed? No. no. So later on, Oh, three days. I'm sorry. I told him in three days that this thing was going to clear up. Now he was going to go to he was going to go to the hospital in a week or something like that. I so said three days. You keep watching. This thing's going to start here. Well, that, that you know, uh, we went a year later and never heard. We didn't know, which a lot of time times we don't. And we were there a year later, and he comes up with a Polaroid picture and said, "Remember this?" And I said, "Oh, get that out of my face." <laughs> you know. Like a monster, I oh, it did. It did. And then I said, I said, well, yeah, I definitely remember. He said, well, look at this. And he pulled his pants leg up, and there's this perfect leg and foot. Come on. Come on. Unbelievable. He, he, they were going to take that thing off at the ankle. Come on. Well, maybe. Okay, okay. Three days it was gone. So he went in to see the doctors, and he said, go ahead and check it. He showed them the foot, and they said, what happened? And he said, well, this man told me in three days. So they said, well, let's check it. They began to run tests. They began, they came back. They said, there's nothing there. He said, I know. And he said, does that ever happen? The doctor said, not even, does not. If anything, it would have spread on up, and we could have even possibly had to go as high as your kneecap or further because if you waited too long, this thing begins to spread. He said, but it is gone. Plus, his sugar diabetes was healed. That wasn't even, yeah. Yeah, he didn't even tell us about that. We are just praying for the foot. But see, God knew what caused the foot to do that was the diabetes. So he went after the source. Hallelujah. I want you to tell them this right now. That's, oh, that's okay. Hallelujah. Well, this one is, we were in uh, Tennessee again. This is this UCMA conference, and, and I'm praying for people. This is where David Woodrow got healed. Uh, Dr. T.L. Lowry had come and some other people to hear me preach, and they're like, Dr. T.L. Lowry just called, and he's coming to your meeting. He wants to hear you preach. We've cleared out a parking space, and we've... Uh, reserve the front because he's coming with his friend Greg and others and they're just running around all excited and I'm like is it a big deal here yeah, come find out it was a big deal there in Tennessee because <laughs> Dr. T.L. Lowry's a big name you know but I didn't I just knew him as my friend and so I'm going down through there praying for people that's the same night that David Woodrow got healed and and Randy said to him not only did he see these white things he said there's tornadoes in there and those things are circling around and clearing up your lungs he said I see it like a tornado and then he described to you those rings he saw just going up and down and up and down well I'm at the other end I'm praying and I stop by and I, I stop and I pray for this lady and I said it's time to get out of jail free don't pass go. Don't pay $200. Get out of jail free. Do you understand me? Now, my mind is thinking, wow, she must be in a lot of bondage, and she must really be, you know, uh, uh, 
past problems and she's just bound up and God's just setting her free tonight. So I'm just all excited just telling her, wow. I said, have you ever got that Monopoly game? She said, no. So you need to go get it. You need to get that card out from it and get that card that says get out of jail free because this is time. It is, that, it is now. Get out of jail free. And so I walked from her, and she just bawling and crying. I thought, praise God, he's setting her free. Get to the next person, and I said, same for you. Get out of jail free. It is time. So if she gets the game, do you know her? Yes. If you don't, you go get the Monopoly game. You get the card. Get out of jail free. Blah, blah, blah. And so then I went on, and I prayed for people. Well, I found out later. So I prayed for these people. And, then, and this guy, toward the end, now he was a man that had to, crawl he had a wheelchair but he decided he wanted to walk that night so he kind of crawled toward us on his elbows and his legs he was paralyzed or something but he could move his upper part and then somehow they helped him get on the front of the pew and he was laying across it and by this point most of the people had left to go down to eat because they have eating meetings there too and so they'd all gone down to eat it was just a handful of us less just five and God began to heal that man. And that man got up off of that pew and he walked. He didn't have to have help. He walked. In fact, when we finally all got through at the service and prayed for the last five of us and going down, he walked down the stairs. He had to do the elevator with the help. And nobody even realized, they, hi, we got your... And then somebody hollers, how did he get down here? We didn't help him. He said, I walked. And he started walking around the dining hall. The place went wild. Now, we closed that meeting, and I'm going on into another state, Georgia, which isn't too far from Tennessee. And I'm preaching at a little church there that God had set up. And a lady said, ma'am, before you preach, could I testify? I said, it's all right with me. If it's all right with the pastor, I don't know. And I looked. pastor said, yeah. She said, you may not remember this, but we were in the UCMA meeting in Tennessee. And you came up to me and said, it's time to get out of jail free. And I thought, well, yeah, because I never told anybody that. And she said, you didn't know it, but my brother was wrong, wrongfully arrested and put in prison. He's been in prison for several years, and me and my sister have been weeping and crying out to God, knowing that, it, that the justice had not been served right. And we said, God, when are you going to do something? When are you going to prove the innocence of my brother? You know he's innocent. They've got the wrong man, and on and on it went. She said, when you said it's time to get out of jail free, that because we came saying we need an answer from God, and that was my sister you also said to, it's time to get out of jail free. Said, we ran out, we brought the Monopoly game, we didn't have it. We sent a letter to my brother with the, both of us putting the get out of jail free out of the Monopoly game and said what you told us, and we wrote it in the letter. She said when he got the letter, the next day they called him into the probation and said, Sir, we have found out and we have the evidence now. You are innocent, and we are releasing you today. Wow. See, God can get a word to you that will change everything. Not only heal you, but prophesy to you, give knowledge of things, discernment. That's why Holy Spirit, all nine gifts in operation, we need to let him move in the house of God. We need to be in a church that honors Holy Spirit, a church that operates in all the gifts of healing and miracles and signs and wonders and discernment and knowledge and wisdom and prophecy. 
Amen. I want to share a couple of more, and we're going to pray for people. We were in Indiana, Greenville, Indiana. A lot of people, there's a lot of salvations that's happened there. We went there to do a three-day meeting that turned into a three-week revival. Toward the end of the revival, they had brought a man who had cancer, and he was sitting at the back. Fourth stage, he was dying, you could tell. He could barely sit there, and <laughs> his breathing, everything was bad. They said, can you come back to where he is and pray for him? I said, I'd be happy to. I walked back to this dad, and I said, do you believe God can heal you, sir? He said, I hope so. I want to live. I said, I want you to live, too. I said, but I have to ask you something. This is not going to decide whether you get healed or not. But I just need to know, do you know Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, Lord, Savior? No. I said, would you like to invite him into your heart? No. I said, okay. I said, I know you're worried. If, if you'd have said yes to you, you would have said, I'm trying to bribe God to heal me. Yes, that's right. And I said, he don't want that. He wants an honest heart, and he wants a heart that wants him. He's not going to force himself on you. But I am going to go ahead and tell you what hell's like, even though I believe God's going to heal you. And I believe when I pray for you, you're going to be healed. But what if you live three more years healed and then you die? When you die to go to an eternal hell, it's for eternity. And I have to tell you, I started describing hell to him. I told him how you can't breathe in hell. I told him how the demons pull your arms apart, how they torment you. I told him how that... that you, you don't know anybody there. You're all alone, and all that you have is constant tormenting of demons and the, the heat and the torment. And that anything you crave here on earth, you'll crave it 100,000 times more there, and you can't get it. Anything you've had sickness and pain of, you will have it 100,000 times more there, and it's for eternity. It's not temporary. Sickness here on earth is temporary. I said people can get healed. I mean, people can get, not get healed and still go to heaven because they have Jesus in their heart. You can go to heaven sick, but when you get there, you ain't going to be. That's why we won't be laying hands on the sick in heaven. We won't need to because there's nobody going to be sick in heaven. We're not going to have salvation calls in heaven because everybody that's there is saved. They have made Jesus Lord of their life. They're not going to take up offerings in heaven because they don't need to. You have the privilege to get to do it here. When you get to heaven, Jesus says, I have gates of pearls and walls of jasper. I'm trying to bless you here on earth. All the blessings are already here. But I'm giving you opportunity to lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, cleanse the leopards, raise the dead, give offerings, praising God, worshiping, helping one another, loving your neighbors. Your... All of these things are a benefit that we have here on earth that God has given us. And so I'm explaining these things to him in eternal hell. And I said, I just want you to know what you will be facing. And you say, well, lady, are you trying to scare me? I said, yes, I am. I wish to God I could scare you to death. I wished I could scare everyone that is dying and on their way to hell because they have not surrendered their life to God. Because I know I was a little girl and I had a vision. and God took me and showed me hell is horrible. And hell is cruel, and I don't want anybody to go there. And so I said, sir, I'm going to pray for you, and I am going to believe that God will heal you. And we laid hands, and we prayed for this man. And I could tell already just during the prayer he was getting better. 
Wasn't for sure how healed he was, but I found out a week later that he had his appetite back. He was doing good. He was getting stronger. He said, I feel good. Three weeks went by, and the family said that they took him in. They couldn't find the cancer. They didn't know where it went, and he was all excited. He said, I thought, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to have fun, he said, except for I kept hearing that lady say what hell was like. And he said, it just made me so mad because I felt good. I wasn't dying of cancer. But all I could hear ringing in my ears, it's for eternity. And you will have everything forever and ever and you'll never get out. And, blah. and he said, that's all that rang in my ears. And one day he called the pastor and he said, pray with me. I can't take it no more even though I'm healed. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. So I want to pray for people tonight, and so does my husband. If you put music on or we can have somebody, whichever way you want to do it. But before I do, I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Like I said, you can be sick and go to heaven. You can have your legs cut off and your arm cut off. Can't see, can't hear. But you've asked Jesus in your heart and you will go to heaven. But if you've not asked Jesus in your heart and you get healed and you live another 5, 10, 20 years, you will still spend eternity in hell. God doesn't want that. He said, I'm not willing any should perish, but all come to repentance. So it's not an accident you're here, if you are. It's not an accident on Facebook. You're listening to me right now or whatever live stream we're on. It's not an accident. God is dealing with your heart. He brought you to listen to this program, whether it's tonight or another night, to soften your heart for a time to say, I want to make you Lord of my life. If that's you and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you just slip that hand up because I want to pray for you. I'm not going to tell everybody. I'm not going to let everybody. It's none of their business. That's why I want every eye closed and every head bowed. And those of you on Facebook, maybe you're saying, well, you can't see me. But that's okay. God sees you when you raise that hand. And I just want you to raise your hand up and say, that's me. I want to make heaven. It's my home. I want to make him Lord of my life. That's you. Raise your hand and don't let this opportunity go by. In Jesus' name, I see that hand. I see that hand, and I see that hand and that hand. Amen. Amen. And I see, even though I don't see y'all, I know those of you on live stream that's raised your hand, that God is dealing with you. This is your night. Whew. Well, I ask you, I said, uh, Holy Spirit, let's just pray a minute and say, Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There is a surrendering heart that's saying, yes, I want to give in. I want to make you Lord of my life. So, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you because you've drawn them. Jesus. JBK, you see. I was asking and... I said I'm not going to say, but I just feel like the commitment that you make in front of others of the surrender to come. 
If I could invite you to come that raised your hand, you know who you are. If you'll just come on, don't worry. We got three seats right up here in the front. Come on. You say, well, I've done it before, and they're going to see me repent again. Who cares what people think? There's some people got saved 50 times before they got saved. It's life-changing. So come on. Come on. Come on. It's okay. You're not going to be by yourself. We love you. Just put you right over here in these chairs. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hey. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> this is the biggest miracle of all. I said, this, when he saved my soul, when he cleansed and he made me whole, that's the greatest miracle of all. This is the greatest miracle of all right here. It's to make Jesus Lord of your life. Thank you. Thank you. God made a very wise decision. <laughs> Wasn't your intention when you came. But God has a way of getting us, doesn't he? Amen. Thank you. He's got a way of getting us. <laughs> yeah. So he wants to be Lord. He said, I gave it all so that you could have all. And so we're going to pray together, and y'all are going to help pray with them. We're going to say, Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Come in tonight. Come in to stay. Forgive me of my sins. I want you to be Lord of my life. I surrender my heart, my soul, and my mind to you. I'm your little boy, your little girl. And I want you to have all of me. Now, God, I fell a lot. I don't like to do that to you. But I am going to tell you tonight, from this night forward, I'm going to try as hard as I can to serve you and do whatever you need me to do. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said it from your heart and not your head, you've just got forgiven, and he's Lord of your life. You say, you mean like that? It's not as hard. You know what the devil tries to tell us? You've got to clean yourself up first. You've got to behave first. Then you can come. No, Jesus said, I take you just like you are. I want you just like you are. He said, because I'm the one who cleans house, not you. I'm the one who changes you, not you. All I wanted is that you would say yes. So, Lord, we thank you. And I'm going to tell you something, Daddy. God changed my message for you tonight. He said, you go outside and you get your notes on tell the stories. Because that man's come with cancer. I prayed with her today over a prayer cloth for you. And I told her, I said, we're going to pray for him and believe God to heal him. And I've been preaching on Mark 6, and I had my notes all set for tonight. And God said, no, you're going to tell the stories tonight. Because I'm softening that man's heart, and I'm working on him. He's been told that he probably's not good enough. And the devil's told him, you know what? You've done all of this. You can't run to God the last minute just because you got cancer. And think you're going to make everything right. 
Well, I'm here to tell you that devil just lied to you because God just wanted you to know how special you were that he changed this whole service for you. For you. That's how much you meant to him and you didn't think you meant that much because you thought, I'm so bad. <laughs> You're not really. You're a teddy bear inside. You just sound bad. You've done bad things, but we all have. So we're going to stretch your hands and we're going to pray. Pastor, would you come join me? Randy, would you come join me? What type of cancer is it, Daddy? Stage four. Wow. Well, we know what the doctor says when it's stage four. Is, where is it at? Huh? Okay. Out colon, rectum. Yeah. The Bible says in James 5, any sick among you, let them call on the elders of the church, anoint them with oil, pray the prayer of faith, and the Lord shall raise them up. And any sins committed, they're forgiven you. That's what he says. Lord, I'm asking you, I remind you of the man that sit over here with four-stage cancer that was a pastor. And he came here desperate. He had a cry. They told him he wouldn't live long. He's still alive today. Remarried, riding horses. Woo! Lord, so if you did it for that man, that pastor that came, I believe you're doing it for this daddy. Yeah, he just thought, I'm not good enough. It ain't because you don't get healed because you're good enough, Daddy. You get healed because Jesus loves you. He thinks you're special. He thought you were special before you ever got here. So we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. You foul demon of cancer, you come out. You foul demon of cancer, let go of this man. Loose him and let him go. You're not going to stay here because he's a child of the Most High God. He just surrendered his heart to God, and this cancer will die at the root. Bye. Bye. As you've done it time and time again, we're asking you to do it again. Do it again. Lord, I believe that you changed everything because you wanted this man. Not only did you want his heart and his life and his soul, but you wanted to bring healing to him to let him know that he is very valuable and that he's very precious and that you knew all along he's got a teddy bear inside of his bear. <laughs> yeah. We thank you, Lord. You're going to give him evidence. The doctors are going to have to say, we, we don't understand where did your cancer go we don't understand right now in Jesus name I break the spirit of fear because you have a lot of fear it's hard for you to sleep at night you're afraid to go to sleep afraid you won't wake up you think this could be it but I pray right now you're going to sleep and rest and know that Jesus is your father and he's taking care of you yes a peace. God's peace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord, for Daddy. Do it again, Lord. <laughs> Give him evidence like you have Larry. Let him say, man, you know what? I woke up the next day. I felt pretty good. Honey, I'm feeling a little bit better. Honey, guess what? Yeah. 
So thank you, Lord. Not only and you keep that prayer cloth around too. Okay? You keep that. That that those the hem of his garment and stuff. This is Pastor Jacob. He's the pastor here. And it would help if you got in the house some new so you could fight for your word of God saying, No, you because the devil will try every way he can. God gets him out and he tries to get back in. You know, it's like the big bad wolf after the three little piggies. I'm going to huff and I'm going to puff and I'm going to blow your house down. And when the house isn't very strong, he can huff and puff and then the little pig's got to run to the next house. And then he comes to their house and I'm going to huff and I'm going to puff and I'm going to blow your house down. But when he got to the third little pig, his house was built right and he huffed and he puffed and he huffed and he puffed and he huffed and he puffed and he tried to climb through the doors and the windows and he couldn't get in so he went down the chimney and he ended up in that fire that burned him up and he had to run and scream and holler and leave, right? And that's what the house of God helps you to get that house all strong to say, go ahead and huff and puff all you want, ain't gonna do no good because you ain't getting in my house. Amen. And your name is James. James 5 says, Any sick among you, let them call on the elders of church, anoint them with dawn, pray the prayer of faith, and the Lord shall raise them up. And any sins committed, they're forgiven them. Thank you, Lord, for James. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook, or visit www dot equipping church dot us